Welcome to Six Figure Authors, the show that helps you take your writing career to the next level. I'm Joe Lalo, and I'm here with my two co-hosts. I'm Andrea uh, Pearson. <laughs> I'm Lindsay Baroker, and we just discussed beforehand if we were going to do last names or first names only, so we've got that mastered. Well done. All right. So today we're going to be talking about uh, Patreon. We're going to do a little bit of a deep dive. Uh, we'll be talking a lot about the value of having multiple. We talk a lot about the value of having multiple income streams and subscription services like Patreon are offering some unique opportunities and utilities that other services don't. We'll start with an overview of what it is and we'll move on to the ways authors use it. And finally, we'll give some best practices for how you might use it if you're interested in giving it a try. But before we do that, we can do some news and points of interest and I'll start us off with a basic update. I am 75,000 words into the book I'm writing now and have continued for two straight weeks to put off actually starting the pre-order for the book that I'm releasing next. So that will be up at some point, uh, but <laughs> not right now. Uh, and that's about it. Just writing and uh, procrastinating. How about you guys? I don't know about you, but I totally get focused on the current project. And it's some, for some reason, it's hard to make my brain fit in other things at the same time. So I totally hear you there. Um, I did want to make a correction uh, from a previous show. I had said Kindle Unlimited isn't in Canada. And somebody said, that's incorrect. And I realized that's true. I think I was thinking of AMS ads aren't yet in Canada, but um, Kindle Unlimited is in a number of countries. Uh, uh, for my news, I had a chirp deal. This um, actually had my, this was my second one just a few days ago. I had had one back in December. Um, I, I think you guys all know what Chirp is, but if you don't, um, audiobooks, it is BookBub's new uh, audiobook mailing list and storefront, and they get the, the books can only be in the storefront. They're distributed from Findaway Voices, so you cannot be in it if you're not exclusive, if you are exclusive to uh, Audible ACX. But um, I had a deal last December for a 99 cent high fantasy book one, and at that time I sold about 360 copies, uh, not to Apple, I put Apple in my notes, to Chirp <laughs> uh, the day of the ad, and I had a pretty good um, high, you know, like a good tail through the month of people also going on and getting the regularly priced books. And when you do that, uh, chirp and find a way they handle the pricing. You just say how much you want to discount it. You don't have to do 99 cents. Uh, that just seemed like a, a good spot to try. And um, I just had my second one. And this was urban fantasy instead of high fantasy. So might be a larger audience. But uh, the reason I wanted to share this with you guys is it it uh, sold about 900 copies uh, to Chirp on that day. So not not quite threefold, but almost. And I'm, I'm sure, like I said, part of that is probably Urban Fantasy is more popular. But I'm also guessing that there's been growth in the platform subscriber base too. So it's just something to consider if you are thinking, if you're kind of on the fence, like, should I go exclusive with ACX with my audiobooks or should I go um, non-exclusive? which means 25% royalty at Audible ACX instead of 40, but then you have the opportunity to sell direct from your site and earn money other places. You know, I, I feel like it's getting pretty competitive. Like it's, you're not probably going to sell as many as Audible, but you might make up that 15%. And these are for me books uh, that are actually, the eBooks are exclusive with Amazon still for now. So I haven't had a real good comparison, like how they would do if they were linked on the same sales page in Google Play and Google and such. Um, they'd probably do even better. So, but it's been, it's promising is what I'll say. And um, they're continuing to grow that it looks like. All right, Andrea, moving on to you. Yeah. So um, I think I might've mentioned that I finally heard back from Meljet regarding the subscribers not triggering my automation sequence. And so they were working back and forth with me and then they're like, Hey, we're in the middle of switching support systems. Could you copy and paste our whole conversation into a new support ticket on our new support platform? And I haven't heard back and it's been like two weeks. <laughs> so I don't know what's going on. Um, I also started a giveaway for readers um, and I ended up purchasing the web version of King Sumo. And in case our readers don't know, don't know what King Sumo is, it's a giveaway platform uh, that makes giveaways go viral. And it's really fantastic. I absolutely love it. And, um, you can get new subscribers that way. Uh, I had the the plugin for WordPress, and I absolutely hated it, mainly because I hated WordPress because <laughs> I just I couldn't ever log into my WordPress site. Like it was just really really frustrating. And they assigned me not King Sumo, but WordPress and my host company assigned me a a, a sign in that I couldn't remember. And so, yeah, anyway, so they have a web version that's absolutely fantastic. I ended up purchasing it. It's like $49, definitely worth it. 
And I just, I love it. I've already done two giveaways. I did a giveaway for my other non-author channel that I started today. And then I gave, I do have the giveaway going for my readers right now. And it's just, I really like King Sumo and I'm loving the web version. So totally worth the $49. Thank you, King Sumo. You can send me some royalties. <laughs> All right. Um, so I guess this is before we're going to be talking about Patreon and we're going to start off by describing what Patreon is. If you don't know, uh, Patreon is a service that allows people to subscribe to individual creators. Like they are a service. Uh, it's crowdfunding, but instead of like Kickstarter where people are raising money to begin a project, Patreon allows you to designate subscription tiers to keep a project going. And there's different tiers and you can assign, you know, awards, uh, and rewards and, and, uh, all sorts of little bells and whistles for each tier, but mostly it's just a way to allow, uh, your fans to subscribe to you. So it's also worth mentioning, uh, I'll say at this point, because it's very early on and we don't really know how it's going to go. Uh, uh, Patreon recently lost a lawsuit, uh, and they will be paying some money in arbitration. It seems like this is a pretty standard thing and it's not going to have a huge impact, but just in case it turns out that Patreon explodes next week, uh, you will know why. Uh, but anyhow, we're going to still talk about it because as of right now, all this information still stands. Uh, as tends to be the case, Patreon is not the only game in town when it comes to subscription services like this. Uh, there's alternatives like Subscribestar, which is starting to gain some ground. And uh, Patreon and Subscribestar and the others, and there, there are actually a, quite a few. I looked them up. They've got all their own pros and cons, but we're going to be talking specifically about Patreon. And it tends to be... Patreon is the trendsetter, so if it works on Patreon, it's valid for the others as well. And we're going to be digging deeper into each aspect, but first we're going to give a quick rundown of uh, how we use Patreon and how we intend to use it in the future. And for me, uh, I have several tiers, each are charged monthly. I used to do per creation and then made sure that I had something new every month, but that confused people <laughs> because they thought it meant I might you know, release six things in one month and they could charge six times, which could be true, but I had already said I wasn't going to do that. So I decided to screw it monthly and make sure that I actually do it monthly. And if you, by the way, can't uh, keep up with your release schedule, you're able to pause your, uh, your Patreon and it just won't charge people. So it's a pretty good system in that regard. Uh, my different tiers are short story, which is at least a dollar. And that gets you all of my stories that are less than 15,000 words. Uh, there's at least one of those every month. Uh, for three bucks, you get the novella tier, which is anything under 50,000 words. And uh, you get about th three or four of those a year. Uh, for five dollars, you get all of my novels two weeks early, in addition to all the other stuff. And for fifteen dollars, you get all of my audiobooks whenever they release. And it's worth pointing out that people who sign up for these different tiers, they can move around if they want to. But if you sign up for 15, even if I only put a short story, uh, you're still paying 15 bucks that month. So these you make people darn aware that that's the case, but it ends up sometimes you're selling a short story for $15 when that's the case. And, and that works out pretty well. So how about you guys? All right. I, you know, it's good that you mentioned you can choose the monthly or per thing option. I do the per thing option since I'm doing whole novels when I charge them. And, um, as much as I write, I don't usually have something every single month. And I also tend to give them like, if a book one's going to be 99 cents, when I release it, I just give it to them, you know, as part of their thing. I'm very conscious of wanting to give, give them a good value. And by, you know, I think it's easier and more reliable income if you just select monthly. And if you feel you're giving enough stuff, um, but I didn't want to do that because I didn't want to feel the pressure like, Oh, I didn't do anything in August and they're still going to get charged. Um, cause this is very, it's a very small income source for me, but it's, it's been a way for me to get around. Uh, you know, I've chosen of the last three, four years to launch new series into Kindle Unlimited. Uh, so they're exclusive with Amazon because I have a lot of stuff wide to, I have a reader base that wants the books, uh, that doesn't want anything to do with it. Amazon. So this is what I do is I release them a couple weeks early to my Patreon people. And so they can get them there instead of buying them from the bookstore. Uh, I do have different tiers like Joe. I have a $1 one that's for people that basically they still want to just buy the books at their bookstore because it's most convenient, but um, they just, you know, here's a dollar to support. Uh, I Sometimes I get short stories edited that I put out for free. So I said, you know, you're just kind of supporting some of that stuff. $5 gets them the eBooks. 
Uh, and then I have a $10 level that's uh, kind of extra stuff. What I've been doing is the audiobooks that I produce and I have the rights to give away. I give those away. Uh, sometimes I give away just old stuff to those guys, extra bonus books, little, you know, a little something to make it worth being a $10 subscriber. And then I do have a $25 level and I say on it, you know, don't pay this much, but it's sort of like at the tip jar if you want to, you know, if you really enjoyed a series or something and you want to do a little more this month, go ahead and um, do that. That'd be great. And I do have a few people usually that are in that level and they kind of come and go. But uh, I did want to ask what the heck subscribe, subscribe star is, Joe. I haven't heard that one. Do you want to, is that like a new co competitor in case Patreon lawsuit blows them up? <laughs> subscribe star uh, started to gain ground because, and we'll talk about this more a little bit later, but uh, Patreon uses PayPal as one of its payment things. And PayPal has actually some pretty strict requirements in terms of content. There are certain types of content that you can't use PayPal to pay for. We're mostly talking, you know, explicit adult content. And uh, subscribe stars, big deal is they're basically exactly Patreon, except anything that's legal is allowed to be on their platform. So they don't make any content designations. And other than that, and also, uh, consequently, they don't use PayPal. But it is almost exactly identical to uh, Patreon, except they have different payment systems and fewer restrictions. All right. And before passing it to Andrea, I feel I should add that you end up getting about 90% of uh, whatever they pay you. You know, there's like 5% goes to the payment processing, 5% to Patreon, somewhere around that versus, you know, 70% or 35% uh, if you're just doing ebook royalties. And uh, like we mentioned, sometimes you'll get people who are willing to support you at a higher level and pay more than if you were just selling the book. And another perk with Patreon, because I started mine a couple months before um, BookFunnel and um BookFunnel basically made it a little bit easier to sell directly from your website uh, by kind of integrating with the PayPal and PayHip and those guys. Uh, so I wasn't sure, like, if that had been out at the time, would I have started Patreon? I was kind of like, I'm not sure. I could just sell it direct from my website and keep even more. But the, the nice thing with Patreon, and you can figure out how to do this with other subscription or other payment processors, but it's basically a subscription system. They're not deciding every month if they want to buy a new book from you. They just get charged until they get around to like, nope, you know, <laughs> I've decided I'm not reading this author anymore or times are tight. So it's kind of like the gym membership that goes for six months after you stop going before you actually get around to uh, quitting. So there's, something nice about a subscription service. It's a little more steady income than if you're just making each time with each new release. Otherwise, they're going to have to make the decision. Do I purchase this? Am I going to check out this new series? So that's uh, one perk that you might not get with selling direct. But uh, a lot of what we're going to be talking about, you can also just sell direct from your website these days. It's you know not too complicated. All right. I'm passing it off to Andrea. And we'll talk a little bit about, um, you know, selling direct versus, you know, people who don't want to create Patreon accounts versus selling direct things like that. Um, I set up Patreon after I started direct selling from my website. Um, it's useful. It keeps everyone together because I mean, I love that. like selling direct from your website. You can't, you don't have to remember with Patreon who wanted to do it because Patreon, once they sign up, then they're there. So that's really nice. Um, and I only need to put up one post or a couple of them, depending on the t tier levels, um, where with selling direct, you know, I need to, I don't know, like each person, if you have to contact them each individually, or if you just contact your list and not worry about whether or not they want it or whatever. So yeah, the subscription service thing is really, really awesome. Um, I like being able to sell direct and I mean, I don't know. Once that link is set up, then I don't have to worry about setting up a link again. I can, you know, five years from now, I can be like, Hey, here's that link again, buy this book. And that's kind of handy. Um, I don't currently use P Patreon. I have an act. My account is technically active, but I'm not encouraging readers to support me right now because I'm not currently doing anything with it. Um, I started out with once per month. I did not know you could pause it. I wish I'd known you could pause it because I went through the trouble of going from once per month to per creation and you have to get everybody's currently subscribed to agree to move over. And I lost a lot of my subscribe, my, my page, my patrons that way. So I don't recommend doing that. I recommend that in the beginning, you know what you want, <laughs> set it up that way and then go forward that way. Because it was just, it was really difficult. It was really stressful. And some of the people got annoyed. They're like, I'm fine paying monthly. And I'm like, yeah, but I don't want you to pay monthly when I go months without producing something. And anyway, people get irked sometimes easily, but 
anyway, my system is I've got like three, maybe four tier levels. I have somebody on each tier level, at least one person. Um, my account's not nearly as big as Joe and Lindsay's. Um, I haven't put a whole lot of time on it and it's currently on hold. It's been on hold for like an, like an hour, <laughs> a year. <laughs> and, um, it wasn't, I mean, I did get people to subscribe fairly, fairly regularly, you know, maybe four or five, um, per month, which, you know, was decent in my opinion when I didn't even know how Patreon completely worked. It was a new thing for me. Um, anyway, so the good thing about Patreon is people, they aren't going anywhere. It's not going to mess up your algorithms. If you have to put on hold for a while. And, um, if you do t take a break, if you're on monthly or if you're on, um, per creation, I recommend you ease back in gently and alert people that you're coming back. Don't just send something out that's going to charge them because you'll, you'll upset fans and lose pe and lose people who would otherwise be fine with you coming back anyway. Yes. The end. Yeah, that's uh, that's all good stuff. Uh, so now we're going to start talking about how authors might actually use this besides us or just in general. And we're going to start off with, obviously, uh, it is an income source. Uh, I would imagine most people are going to start at Patreon specifically for the income aspect of it. I will say that I don't rely upon or even particularly consider the income from, from Patreon. My Patreon basically pays for itself. Uh, we'll talk a little bit more about what the specific things that I actually like to use my Patreon for. But this can be a major benefit depending on the type of writing you do. There are quite a few podcasts and web comics and, and artists who uh, do episodic content who make most, if not all, of their funding from Patreon. Uh, there's just a lot of media types for which Patreon is sort of the expected way that they'll earn money. Uh, uh, so... If you put out the stuff that, that sort of fits that, if you are the kind of person who's writing serials, for instance, uh, it's super well suited to, to a Patreon and you could potentially make a lot of money this way. Uh, it, it's, and the nice thing about it, is, as uh, has been said earlier, is that it's reliable. It's a, it's a monthly number that may change, but it's, it's every month and you can sort of see what it is before it even happens. It's much more steady than a, a standard, you know, royalty report. I do find that with indie authors, usually by the time you're making enough uh, money, by the time you have a big enough fan base to uh, make good money on Patreon, you're probably selling really well with your eBooks on the other stores. So it's kind of a, is it worth the time or not? I'm not sure I would have done it if not for looking for a way to release early, uh, let people have the arcs before they went exclusive with Amazon. That was my primary reason for doing it. I have realized uh, that it's something that if, you know, who knows, you know, something may happen someday with Amazon or any of the other stores. It's, it's always possible they'll change some royalty rates or, you know, something will, <laughs> everybody's been in uh, Congress now, Jeff Bezos and Amazon, some question marks about, uh, you know, are they a monopoly and all that stuff's going on here in the U.S. So you just never, you can't really assume the future is always going to be like the past when planning your own career. So it is something I could ramp up pretty easily. Like right now I'm very casual. Like sometimes I mention like, Oh yeah, you know, you could get my books here early if you want to, but I certainly don't mention it every month in my mailing list. But if I had to, it could become a place where I just switched over to that and got that 90% income and you know, who cares what the rest of the world is doing. And there's certainly some, it's kind of a, you know, just a safety net, I guess, as knowing that you have that and you wouldn't necessarily be starting from scratch if, if something crazy happened. Um, I, I really like it for traditionally published authors because these guys are often only getting paid like twice a year for, from their publishers. Uh, and so if they add on this monthly Patreon on the side for short stories or whatever they can do, that's not, uh, you know, in conflict with their contract, uh, a couple examples you can check out if you want to go, go out and spy on Patreon, <laughs> Uh, Cameron Hurley, uh, she's making 4000 a month from her Patreon fantasy author. Uh, Shauna McGuire, another fantasy author, making 14000 a month from her Patreon. Or excuse me, for those guys are both per short story, so they're not necessarily monthly. Sharon Lee is getting paid monthly by her fans, and it looks like it's just for support. She's just uh, not necessarily putting out extra content or not extra fiction, maybe, and she's getting 3000 a month. Uh, that's a sci-fi author. 
So those are a couple examples. I'll put the links in the show notes if you want to go take a peek. Um, so those are, you know, if you're traditionally published, like I said, and only getting paid twice a year, <laughs> why not come on over here and get monthly income from your fans? Because usually you have a bigger fan base with traditional publishing, but because you're getting a much smaller royalty from per book, uh, you may not be making that great of an income just from uh, your publisher. So uh, the only other thing I want to mention is I, I talked about social uh, selling direct as another option. I also, there's also a social proof thing with Patreon that you're not going to get on your website from selling direct unless you figure find some plugin or something. But I feel like a third party saying, Hey, this author has 300 subscribers or Hey, this author's making a thousand, 10,000 a month from their subscribers that I, that has that effect of making people go, wow, there must be something good here. You know, other people are already involved with this. And I, I think that's something we shouldn't necessarily downplay. Uh, that is, you know, that's why we try to get reviews, right? It's uh, that social proof element. All right, go ahead, Joe. All right. Um, so another thing, and Lindsay was sort of talking about this a little bit, but, uh, uh, test audience and test market. Even if you think you are not the right fit for a monthly income aspect of Patreon, it's fair to say that if anybody signs up for your Patreon, the first people who sign up are going to be your super fans. And there's a tremendous amount of value in having a, a small list of enthusiastic fans who are willing to support you on a regular basis. Just identifying them is sometimes worth the price of admission for, for Patreon. And these folks represent your best case scenario for any experiment you want to try to test out. Uh, these, you know, if you run a Patreon and, and you're giving your Patreons, your patrons, uh, a first look at your new experimental short story, or you're letting them pre-order things like merchandise or other stuff that might not work, it will give you a strong indication of if it has a chance at all to succeed. Uh, if the patrons aren't interested, chances are the general public won't be either. So it's a, it's a, it's a laboratory for you to test out your stuff. And also it's a, it's by definition going to be a smaller than a wide release. So even if it is successful, it lets you test out things like logistics. Uh, so like if you want to sell actual merch and you don't know how you're going to be able to mail it, it gives you a little laboratory of a few dozen to a few hundred people as opposed to thousands to teach you how much work it is to keep addresses straight and figure out, you know, postage and, and how the finances are going to work out. And, uh, if it's too difficult, then he didn't, you know, these people are already with you. You know, you, you, you don't really risk losing, uh, uh, people who are on the fence about you. These are people who are in it for the long haul. So it's very useful to have these people. And by the way, m you can make sure that you let these people know that you appreciate them and you're giving a break, giving them a break on this stuff. And it's, it's, I don't want to, a lot of the stuff I'm going to talk about makes it feel like uh, you're using people just for the utility and you should never make people feel like they're being used just for the utility. So, you know, make it worth their while, but it's absolutely worth your while to have this group of people. And also uh, it's sort of a smaller and more financially engaged version of your newsletter. Every post you put out also shows up as an email and, uh, People are, if you, if you have not been particular, particularly effective at keeping your newsletter interesting, your Patreon posts are always going to be more interesting to people because they know there's probably goodies associated. So if you have an announcement to make, you don't have to make posts just when you have something for them to download. You can do a Patreon post that's just informational. Uh, and it's sort of a smaller, more focused newsletter that sort of gives you a second hit at the people who are most likely to actually care about an announcement. So uh, it's got a lot of utility in that way, uh, just excluding the income aspect. We should point out too that the people who subscribe to Patreon are probably going to be your super fans. They're the ones they're willing to pay more. They're willing to sideload the book and download it from book funnel instead of just like, I want to deliver it automatically on my device. You know, they're, they also, you also get their email addresses, which you do not get from Amazon or Kobo. Nobody else is going to give you the email addresses of the people that bought your books. So again, if in the future, if you like, let's say I decide to do a Kickstarter next week, cause I'm stoked by Brandon Sanderson's millions of dollars. And I want to see if I can get tens of thousands of dollars. Um, who would I email the people who I already know are willing to pay extra and kind of do that sort of extra side stuff, uh, the, the slightly le higher level of technical expertise that it's going to take to grab the book from book funnel rather than just having it appear on the device, which doesn't mean you don't have super fans other places either. It's just that they're probably also 
they're probably not going to join Patreon if they're just casually buying some of your books. Like the people who do mine know they're going to get charged for every book, whether it's sci-fi or fantasy. Uh, you know, they're just, they're there for everything. So I know those are the people that are like, you know, the, I don't want to say the best fans, but you know, they're willing to pay more. Uh, they're willing to pay a premium and they really, a lot of them just do it to support you. Cause, uh, you know, they know, uh, cause you can tell them that, uh, you make 90% instead of 70% or 35% on the, on the sale of the book. So, and as far as it is kind of funny that Joe mentioned them, it's kind of a <laughs> test market, but I've, I've known asked, but I've had people find typos in the early copies, even the, you know, that were missed by the typo hunters and like, Hey, here, here's a couple typos. And so they send it off. And, uh, I've also had people go and leave Goodreads reviews uh, before the book comes out. So without having an arc team necessarily, uh, you know, so, so these people might be willing to do reviews too, if you ask, or even if you don't. So they're, again, it's just a, a place to kind of find and have the email addresses and be a little more closely connected and easier to reach out to the fans that have identified themselves as super fans, basically. Yeah. Um, like when it comes to testing, I actually tested out a serial on Patreon last well, last well, last year. Um, so just an FYI, if I fumble over my words, I have been having the hardest time with the English language all day today. My mother-in-law has been teasing me nonstop because I can't talk <laughs> anyway. So, um, I tested out a serial on Patreon. It went well, but not super well. Um, and I have theories as to why, like, you kind of, I mean, if you're going to do it, then you need to do it. I only did mine for four episodes and which I, I now sell that direct from my website. If I were to do it again, I would have a plan for a longer serial that I planned out in advance that I could, you know, do for a while. This serial was meant to just drum up interest for my, my new series. And I'll talk about that a little bit later, but yeah, it's a great way to test things out. And I found out that my super fans love that serial and now that it's direct, I have more people buying it than I did have people signing up for, um, Patreon. And it's kind of, it's fun. It's, it was more of a passion project again, that I knew I wouldn't make a lot of money on, um, which, you know, testing it out on Patreon worked well, well enough for me to know it wouldn't work well as a serial on Amazon. <laughs> right. And, uh, sort of continuing what we're talking about. One of the big uses that we have on this show, at least is uh pre-release, uh, I, like I know I do it. Lindsay does it. Uh, if you're planning to go exclusive or if you're already exclusive, uh, but you had started your career wide and you picked up some fans who either can't or won't shop on Amazon, you can set things up so that your patrons get their copies of the books before you release on Amazon. Uh, this is useful in a number of ways. Uh, it avoids the exclusivity problem because it was never not, it, you know, it, it was never on sale at the same time as Amazon was. Plus it's not a standard storefront. So you can get a little bit more control over, uh, who gets it and how it's hidden behind a paywall that's sort of not directly associated with the book's price usually. So there's all sorts of plausible deniability. If you want, if you want to try shenanigans, don't try shenanigans. But, uh, I, that's why I would recommend only having it available right before you, you go exclusive. Uh, it also gives your most enthusiastic fans, as Lindsay said, some time with the book before it releases, which means you've got a fighting chance to have some reviews up very, relatively quickly on, you know, non-purchase sites, or even, you know, you can leave reviews on, on, uh, sales sites, even if you didn't buy a book usually. So like just, there's uh, a lot of value in giving your most enthusiastic fans access to your book early. And, uh, Lindsay, are you ready? I'm sorry. I have a dog bathing very noisily behind me. I was trying to um, discourage that while being distracted by that. So yes, I already mentioned that I, I do the pre-releases this way. And if you're using book, book funnel, Andrea, I guess your mother-in-law would have words for me also. Uh, you can just make the links expire. Like the day it's going to go live on Amazon, say August 27th or whatever. Uh, they just have till that long to download on uh, book funnel. And I'm very like, if they didn't get it, I just email them copies. Um, I've, at that point, the, the purchase has already been made. They already paid for it. So it's there. And like Joe said, it's behind a paywall. So Amazon's bots aren't going to see it. But since the author community polices itself, I would recommend uh, following the terms of service and everything you agree to on Amazon and not trying to sell. Same with Kickstarter. I've seen we just, this was just in the 
Facebook group, somebody was uh, going to do their eBooks on Kickstarter that are also <laughs> exclusive with Amazon. I'm like, uh, I don't think you can do that unless your contract is up on Amazon at the same time uh, at the point that those go on sale. But um, I think that's all about all I have to say on that. It's uh, yeah. Moving on. <laughs> the distraction is halted. So hopefully I can be cohesive going forward. Uh, I'll, I'll be the, the shady person. You guys seriously put your whole catalog up on KU and Patreon. Let us know how it goes. <laughs> Just kidding. Um, so I really like the idea of doing the pre-release thing. And I just, I remember like Joe and Lindsay talking about that on the old show and me listening and going, Oh, that's a great idea. And so I was able to do that for several books. Um, but it ended up being a little bit too complicated for me to organize. Cause I mean, generally I just have the right amount of time to publish. And so if I'm doing the work, you know, I was going to have my assistant do it, but I'm like, you know what? I'm, I just backed off on that. So, um, I might go back to it again eventually, but just, you know, for now. And then, like I said, I also switched my Patreon from monthly to per creation that has helped a great deal with the stress and then just making sure that it's where I need it to be. And I would, like I said, love to do, um, the pre-release again, because I think that's a really fantastic way to help readers that are wide when you have a wide audience and you're in KU. Yeah. I'd actually meant to add, this is a better way to do it than I see a lot of people trying to release for a week on <laughs> Kobo and, and all the other stores often because you're going for a list and boy, that's, that's going to irk some people. You're going to have a lot of people that missed it, emailing Kobo for support or Apple for support. Where's the book? I didn't get it. It was in the newsletter. Where's the link? Um, so this is a way you're not putting it out there and yanking it back. It's just something that was only available for a limited time from your, uh, Patreon. So I, I think that's worth going. Actually, it's probably the same amount of work. I don't know. It takes me what, 10 minutes to uh, put it, put it up on book funnel. If I write the blurb and everything anyway, to put it on the other stores and five, 10 minutes at the most to put together a post. So it's, it's not any more work than uploading to all the other stores and then going and yanking them back down later. All right. So uh, another one in, uh, is short fiction. I mentioned earlier, I use it a lot for short stories. I tend to write a lot of short stories just to get ideas down or out of my head or ideas that weren't worthy of a full book end up as a short story for me. That's the fabled bad idea file. Uh, and it's hard to make a short story pay for itself in most circumstances. Like Selling short stories on Amazon is very, very hard unless it's an anthology. And even then, they're not terribly popular. But, uh, you know, on, on Patreon, technically this is still true on Patreon, but often people aren't actually just buying a short story. They're just supporting you and the short story is the reward for doing so. So it tends to be a little bit easier. Plus, as I said earlier, uh, if, if you're doing, you know, monthly releases, um, the short stories kind of piggyback on the higher tiers too. Like people who are willing to pay more are getting a short story anyway, but the short story is now sort of being subsidized by their generosity. So uh, if you're the kind of person who writes a lot of short fiction, or if you are interested in trying short fiction, Patreon is one of the better ways to uh, make it pay for itself. And short stories are one of the better ways to make sure that your Patreon has got regular content going forward. And this is a bit of a know yourself thing. There's, there's all kinds of, you can set your Patreon up any way you want. For me, I know that short stories always take longer to write than they should. <laughs> and they tend to expand into novelettes, if not novellas. So it wouldn't be worth my time to do a bonus short story every month or even every quarter. And I, I know myself, I would come to resent that I, I felt obligated to do that. So I've been careful not to mention anything like that. It's really just they're getting content early that I was going to publish anyway. Um, make sure whatever you do, that you don't over over promise on what you can deliver, you know, and, and be realistic about what you think you can earn from a Patreon. Like maybe survey your off your audience, uh, newsletter subscribers first and say like, Hey, who's even willing to do this? Um, because like, if you're writing a short story a month for $23, that may not be the highest and best use of your time. Uh, especially if you have to pay for an editor out of that and you don't feel you can repackage it and sell it for significantly more later. As Joe said, even short story collections are kind of a tough sell uh, on the book stores. And, and like Joe said, if you're going to write a short story anyway, you know, if you're going to go through the work anyway, then, you know, Patreon might be okay. But, um, I definitely agree with the overpromising. Um, you probably won't know at the start what you can and can't do. Uh, cause a lot of authors, you know, were like, okay, so 
this sounds like a great idea. I'm going to try it and then bite off too much or not enough or whatever. Um, and so I don't know, like maybe be vague about promises, <laughs> which probably won't get you a lot of signups or don't be too vocal about having a Patreon. So you can fill your way through the first few months. I mean, I use that, like I said, in the beginning, um, I did switch things around and I didn't have, I had a bunch of uh, supporters, but not as many as you know I wanted, but it ended up working out okay because switching was very painful. Um, Anyway, I used Patreon for short fiction a whole ton in the beginning. It was a lot of fun. Uh, I usually did around 1,000 word stories to up to novellas. Uh, it worked well, and then the the serial did it did work it did work fine. And then I have those stories now to use as uh, download bonuses if I want. Um, I don't know. Like if I were to use Patreon, I'd probably go back to doing the pre-release thing and then just seeing if I can figure out a way to have that work with my schedule. Um, anyway, yeah, back to you, Joe. Okie doke. So uh, up until now, we've been talking about Patreon being useful for people with very regular releases, but there's also utility for people who are more accustomed to having big projects. Uh, and, uh, you know, Patreon can help you uh, keep active between big projects. Uh, if you're the kind of person who only puts out a novel or two per year, uh, it can be difficult to keep your audience engaged because they only have one or two things to, to actually get from you in any given year. Um, a lot of artists that I follow uh, like to keep their audience updated on the progress of lengthy projects. Like if you're an animator, if you think being an author is hard, try being an animator because you're working the same amount of time for like two minutes of material instead of something that takes people 40 hours to read. So what they'll do is just sort of give progress images or give little blog style posts of behind the scenes stuff. And then that is their, their Patreon content. And that could easily go for authors too, especially for the kind of author who like spends a lot of time doing research. Cause then you can sort of share your research and stuff. The kind of stuff that would normally be in your newsletter or on your blog. Uh, if you're just trying to keep people more engaged, a Patreon is a way that you can sort of justify putting more work into that stuff. Uh, and so, yeah, it's got a lot of value that way. Also, because it's only for paying customers uh, and there's a paywall involved, you, if you're skittish about putting out preview chapters or cut scenes on your website because you're afraid that that's too much to give away for free, you know, this is a place where you can do that. You can fill out full, full uh, uh, chapters or, you know, uh, previews of the book coming up and be comfortable that it's gone to a paying customer as opposed to just sort of out there to be scraped by whoever. Right. I, I mentioned in the beginning that it can be great for traditional publishers who are only getting paid twice a year. But also if you're an indie author and you're doing one novel a year or maybe two, uh, this can be a way to also have income coming in in between the releases. We all know how, uh, <laughs> how quickly the things can fall off after you publish the book. So, and I personally, because I publish often, I haven't experimented with like putting up chapters or in, in the project in development. I'm also a little bit, I don't know what the word is. Uh, I'm hesitant to put up like unedited stuff. Uh, I occasionally do for short stories on my blog, but usually I pay for editing before I share them. But some people don't mind and they just throw not, they don't just throw it up there. I'm sure they read it over a couple of times and try to make it as good as possible. But um, if you don't mind sharing, that can be a way. It's perfectly valid to ask for um, people to be patrons that aren't necessarily getting like a, a novel each time or even a short story every month. Maybe they just want to see kind of the behind the scenes, which, you know, if you are lucky enough to have some super fans, why not? You know, I know that, uh, I think we've talked about before how they used to do DVD commentaries a lot on movies and TV shows and stuff. And if you were a fan, you totally wanted to hear what the, you know, what was going on in the author's mind uh, or the director's cut, you know, what, what, what they were thinking about. And, uh, We've been talking about fiction too, but of course you can do this if you're a nonfiction person. Uh, Joanna Penn does hers, Patreon offer podcast. But even as an author, you could potentially, you're going to have authors in your readership that may be curious about your behind the scenes or your process. So if you're just looking for extra ways to make money, that that's another possibility too, it is doing stuff for other creators, not necessarily just stuff for fans. So, okay. That wasn't even under the topic. Sorry. I rambled. <laughs> and my comments here are all things I've already said already. So already said already. <laughs> so I'm just going to hand it right back to Joe. <laughs> 
okey doke. Um, and so sort of continuing off of all the other stuff, if you are not uh, comfortable doing any additional content or you don't have any content that, that sort of fits the, the bill that we've described so far, there are a lot of people who only use Patreon as a tip jar. They, they, they promise nothing in terms of, of, you know, providing additional service. They're just like, Hey, if you want to support me, I've got a Patreon. You can throw me a dollar. Uh, it's just a simple way for readers to give their support, especially, you know, because lots of readers are well aware that being an author is not a normal job and, uh, it can be, it can really help us out if we have a little something extra to rely upon every month. Uh, if you're going to do this, however, if you're using the tip jar method, uh, I would recommend keeping your tiers as low as possible because the last thing you want is to make people sign up for a minimum of $5 a month just you know, if they're, if they're charging a reasonable, a paying a reasonable amount, they're going to expect goodies. And if you're using the tip jar route, you have to, you know, basically let them give as little or as much as they choose. Right. I, I mentioned before that I have a $1 level. That's just for people that are going to buy the books elsewhere and just kind of want to support. So you, like I said, you will find people that don't want to go through the hassle of book funnel link and, and side loading it, even though book funnel makes it a lot easier than it used to be To It's still extra work. And it's still, I've been doing this long enough now over two years, I think maybe going on three that people have lost the books. And so I have to do go into customer service mode and like resend it to them and rehelp them get something that expired a long time ago. And the more subscribers you have, the more that there will be. So that's just something to keep on my keep in mind too, that uh, I don't necessarily discourage people from just buying the books from Amazon or Apple or Kobo if that's what they want to do. But having that little extra tip jar, you know, you can get people do want to support. Uh, they like they know that generally, not necessarily artists are all starving, but in general, most people are not making six figures as an author. Those of you who listen to our show, perhaps you are, but or you will be. But, you know, in general, that's pretty rarefied air and most artists can use a little extra every month. And honestly, I mean, I don't know, just being gracious and letting people know that you don't actually expect to get that money goes a really long way. I mean, my mother-in-law is here visiting and I love her to death. She's absolutely amazing. And, and one thing that we have learned with her, when she comes, if we say, we don't expect you to cook or clean or do anything, like we really just don't expect you to do anything. She'll do it anyway and she won't be mad. But if we don't say it, she'll still do it and she'll be mad. So we make sure that she knows she's not expected to do that stuff and she'll do it just because that's the way she is, you know? But if we don't say it, then she gets angry. <laughs> and people are, people are, you know, convoluted and, and confusing sometimes, but it's the same way with when it comes to asking for tips, you know, you don't, you make sure they know they don't need to do it. And then, um, ask for very little amount. And, um, I, I really like the idea behind this and I tried implementing it and I, uh, it was hard for me to have people giving me money without me feeling like I was giving them something in return. But like to our readers, I know that it's not that way to them. They know that being an author is difficult. And a lot of them just want to say thank you without getting something in return. And so I think that's, I think that's val very valid. And like the other two said, you know, keep it low and make sure they know that, that you are really grateful for everything that, that you're doing, that they're doing for you anyway. So, um, yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll say this. Like I have, I, I never intended to be a tip jar. I was always going to be giving people short stories, even for the lowest tier. But I have on occasion sort of let my hopper run out of short stories. Not so much that I didn't have any left, but I didn't have any that were presentable because I do put covers on them because that's something I didn't mention earlier. You can set um, uh, earnings uh, goals. And once you hit a goal, then you might upgrade the stuff that you're giving. And I hit the, the goal for uh, covers. So I do covers for everything and edits for everything. And I just didn't have any ready uh, for it. I was, it was going to be close. And I said that I was going to pause it. And everyone who replied to that message were like, don't pause it. We're supporting you because we want to support you. Even if we don't get something this month, we still want to support you. So that sort of illustrates that those people would still be supporting me in the tip jar mode. So just you know, keep that in mind. So along the way, we've been talking about basically best practices like for each section, but we're going to do it a little bit more into best practices here. Users of Patreon have certain expectations and there are certain associated tasks that you'll need to make sure that you can pull off before you're willing to dedicate yourself too deeply to running a Patreon. We're going to start with delivering a product. Uh, 
Patreon has got a pretty flexible posting interface. Uh, giving you, you can do options like you, you can do text, you can put attachments on things, you can do images, you can do videos, you can do audio. Basically, anything that you might put on a WordPress site, you can put into a Patreon post. But uh, if you're going to be delivering to people who are accustomed to reading ebooks, you're going to want to use something like BookFunnel to actually deliver the ebooks to them as, instead of having them. You know, it's just one step easier than giving them a link. Uh, same goes for short audio. You can use BookFunnel for that. Uh, if you are like what I do is is uh, for the for the audiobook tier when I have a new audiobook, there's only a handful of people in that tier. So if you're delivering particularly large fraud, uh, uh, files to a particularly small group of people, you can squeak by with a Dropbox zip file. Just zip, put it in your Dropbox and put a shared link. Uh, that'll work. Uh, I wouldn't recommend it for anything too large or for too many people. And also, if you're doing videos, uh, the standard method is to do an unlisted YouTube video, and then you put the link in there. Uh, but yeah, like those are the ways you might deliver your product on, on Patreon. I also use BookFunnel to do the eBooks, and I think I've done a small audio short story now, and I'm going to have another one soon. Um, you can also just upload the eBook files to the post. Uh, BookFunnel is good because it, there's the help support you know so i kind of sometimes i do both like here's the files here's the book funnel link but if you're going to put the files on the post you then have to remember to go remove them if you're going to be exclusive with amazon or if you just don't want somebody that comes in new to have access to um like 20 books that you posted over the last two years if you just want it to be they just get the current book with um their five dollars or whatever um for audio i have i do do dropbox files for those who are willing to just go and grab the MP3s or who prefer to do that, which is some people. And I also have been doing Find Away Voices, um, non-exclusive with audiobooks, and they they make it easy to generate code, same as Audible. But um, I find that not everybody's in the Audible ecosystem, listeners-wise, and the Find Away seems to work for those people that aren't. And also with Audible, ACX, you can only get codes now for the book, uh, you know, they're book specific that used to be, you could put them on anything and you can only get codes if you are exclusive with them. So like, now that I'm going with find a way, I can't get codes for audible. So, but find a way also had its, its system and it's been working great for me for the last three or four. Now I've done with that and the readers, listeners, Patreons, whatever they are, seem to not have a problem getting the audiobooks that way. All right. Next thing you're going to want to keep in mind is uh, to budget your time accordingly. There are people who make a comfortable living from Patreon alone, but in those cases, they're producing a product very regularly and providing some very major enticements to supporters. If you want a Patreon to be your full-time income, it will be a full-time job. Uh, and so unless that matches how you release your books, you're going to want to scale your Patreon to fit the value that you're going to get from it. I love that you made that comment, Joe. Um, Patreon is a side thing for me and I don't use it regularly, but like he said, anything you do, it's harder to get people re-engaged if you stop engaging and it could easily take over your whole life. So you need to, to just recognize that using it as a large platform for money will require a lot of time on your part. And that some of that you can pass off to assistants, but some of it you're going to need to do yourself. And it's just like working with another retailer or with Amazon or whatever. It just, you know, ways to make money do require investment of time. Uh, and likewise, you have to invest your money properly. Uh, you're going to want to budget your money. If you are producing stuff specifically for Patreon, make sure it, the Patreon is at least paying for itself unless you value the other things that Patreon gives you more than what you're losing in the, uh, uh, you know, in the balance. Uh, like I, if you're giving Patreon goodies, make sure the fulfillment isn't costing you too much. I know some artists who send out pins and stickers every month and to pull that off, you've got to be really on top of postage and prices and stuff like that. And darn good about packing and addressing stuff. So in my case, uh, I pretty much scaled my Patreon such that it pays for itself. Exactly. The, the Patreon covers the, uh, the cover and the edit. Uh, you don't want to start going into, you know, in, into the black or into the red, that is for your Patreon. If you are specifically trying to make money off of it. Right. This is why I'm a big fan of just putting stuff out early that I was going to put out anyway on the bookstores because I uh, both for time and money reasons, right? If I have to write extra content or if I have to get extra things for this, then it becomes more of a consideration. And I'm a big fan of digital content. I mentioned that on the, we were talking about Kickstarter stuff. 
it's the cheapest thing you will ever deliver, you know? So, um, but I do, what I do usually about once a year is I offer signed paperbacks to like my top tier patrons. I just ask them like, Hey, do you want a copy of whatever my most recent book one or something is? And, um, sometimes they say yes. And sometimes they're like, no, I'm just, uh, I'm all digital these days. But I, I think that's a cool thing to offer. And maybe not every time, you know, like I usually do it before Christmas, like, Hey, you know, <laughs> I would love to go to the post office and stand in line this time of year. So maybe that's not the best time to do it. Maybe you should do it in July. But, um, for somebody that's been a supporter for a while, like, and is giving you $200 lifetime. Yeah. You can send them a signed paperback and <laughs> you're not going to be in the red for that. Uh, next up is uh, if you're going to be providing, this is a small one, but if you're going to be providing a product or service, you might want to consider updating your tax info on your, your Patreon. This is a pretty recent, they did this, but certain re regions apply certain additional taxes to certain types of products. And you can save your patrons a little bit of money by identifying exactly what kind of product they're getting in exchange for their support. By default, it's general support, and that is taxed differently than, say, you know, in exchange for an ebook. You don't really have to figure out what the tax should be. There's a list of things that you can choose from. You just choose which one it is and what proportion of each tier goes to it. If you don't do this, you're probably not going to be in trouble. You, know, you, you won't be in trouble. They'll just assume that you're, you're doing it specifically for general support. But slicing things up the way they really are is a way that you can potentially save a few cents to your patrons, which might really help them out and might entice just a few more people to follow you. Uh, and uh, also uh, as a, you know, best practices, try not to make uh, your Patreon uh, a paywall to hide content behind exclusively. This is one of those, your mileage may vary things, but uh, audiences tend to respond better to a Patreon. If the content that's there isn't always going to only be there. Early releases work great. Short stories that are eventually released publicly uh, work well. It's basically the same thing with uh, with going you know exclusive on on Kindle. Some people just are never going to follow you to Patreon, and those people are going to resent the people who do go on Patreon if they never have the opportunity to get the stuff that's there. Uh, there are just some people who can't or won't use Patreon. And, uh, if, if you are charging, you know, if you are hiding products from them, they're either going to feel like, you know, well, I'm buying all of your stuff on this other store and now I have to go to Patreon too to get stuff. It can cause gouging and, you know, they feel as if they're being gouged and, uh, weird, but true. It can really, uh, hurt, you know, the goodwill that you might've built up depending on your type of audience. And again, audiences vary from genre to media form. So Keep an eye on the sort of things that people expect and, you know, follow those rules. Right. And I think this may be especially true for fiction. Um, you're going to want to put it out there anyway. Any, any fiction you write, you're going to want to put out to as many people and sell again uh, eventually. So the early release model works pretty well for Patreon. Um, but I, I do think with nonfiction, if that's something you're thinking of, that's maybe a different boat where um, like Joanna Penn does exclusive Q&A uh, monthly podcast for her subscribers. And I'm pretty sure she never makes those available anywhere else. She's answering the specific questions of her Patreon subscribers that they send in. And it, same thing, like if I were to subscribe to like a... a subscription newsletter, I wouldn't expect that that person is ever going to publish that stuff elsewhere. In fact, the whole reason I'm subscribing is so I can get those hot stock tips or whatever you know, you're subscribing. To. There's like a ton of those in the financial services industry. Um, but you know how to, so I think it's, it's going to depend on what you're putting out there. In some cases, it may be okay to keep content exclusive to your Patreon. Uh, what I tend to do is of course the, um, the books uh, and most well, probably just the books, I would say, are locked up. They have to be a subscriber at like the $5 level to get most of the books. But I don't make the um, posts that are just updates. Uh, those are not behind the paywall because uh, I figure if anything else, if anything, people will come and read those and be like, oh, she's working on this. Maybe I want to sign up so I can get it early. So it makes sense to have some of your content non-exclusive uh, just as a way to get people in the door possibly. Go ahead, Andrea. Yeah, I'm kind of, I was actually surprised that Joe mentioned this, not surprised, but I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't believe you mentioned that, Joe, but actually it's something that I dealt with and I didn't know that other people would have possibly dealt with it. So when Joe put words to this, it kind of made me feel better um, because I had a ton of negativity from my readers when I started announcing my Patreon 
um, they didn't want to create a Patreon account. Um, and especially since I announced that I didn't want to make the people who did sign up for Patreon feel bad that I was asking them to spend money there. And then I was releasing it wide and asking them to spend money there as well. And so I decided to have my stories be exclusive to Patreon for a year per story. And the subscribers loved that my Patreon subscribers, but my other subscribers, my other super fans who didn't want to create a Patreon account were really bitter and really angry about that. And and when one person's vocal or like 10 people are vocal, you know, a lot more are vocal. And so my plan was to move things from Patreon to the general public after about a year. Um, but I ended up moving things over earlier than that. Um, not early enough where the, the people on Patreon would be subscribed or would be offended, but just, I was just, I just was tired of dealing with the complaints and they didn't want to learn a new system. They wanted their stories through Amazon or through book funnel. And I use book funnel for Patreon, but they didn't want to have to give money to Patreon too, or create an account. And I honestly, it was kind of weird. I had a lot of people ask if I needed money and they're like, I'll just donate to PayPal. And I'm like, I don't understand why I'm like, I'm not, I don't need money. I'm just, you know, trying to, well, I mean, bring in an additional stream of revenue, but also benefit my readers in a different way. Um, and I wasn't weird about that situation. I didn't like come across them to them like, Hey guys, I really need your money. Could you please like, you know, it was just kind of weird. So I'd people be like, Hey, what's your PayPal? I'll just, I'll just donate money if you need money. So just makes me wonder if authors, you know, if the readers, they were getting hounded by authors during that time. Like if it was the thing to do and a whole bunch of authors were asking people to sign up for their Patreon accounts. And so where it kind of burned them out. I don't know. Um, but like what Joe said, it rubbed a lot of my readers wrong. Uh, they were excited about the story. Most of them didn't follow over to Patreon though. If I could do it all over again, I would sell those stories direct instead of using Patreon. I would have made more money and my super fans who didn't want to go to Patreon would still have bought. So yeah, good times. <laughs> all right. This is a small, just friendly thing, but it's generally a good policy not to guilt or pressure people, uh, on their subscriptions. Uh, there are people who are going to come and go or they're going to support at a higher level and then have to drop down. And you will get messages from these people saying, I'm really sorry, but I have to drop my subscription or I have to, you know, eliminate it. Uh, no, don't pressure people. Um, I, I would hope that's obvious, but I have supported people briefly. Like I have supported people, uh, uh, and then I, my intention had only been to support them for a couple of months. And then I have received emails from them asking why I don't support them anymore. And that's that doesn't make you feel good. So don't do that. Let people have their own financial situation on their own. Uh, that's should be obvious, but not obvious enough, apparently. Yeah, it would never occur to me to comment on somebody leaving or um, chase them down or even I don't look. Um, but, uh, you know, it is probably worth noting that when you're making your financial goals that, um, you're like, Oh great. I'm, I'm going to make 500 this month from Patreon. You know, there's probably going to be a few payments that don't go through or there'll be people that come and go. So whatever your goal is for Patreon, you know, don't count on the full amount coming in, you know, estimate a little lower. If you start to depend on that income, uh, just good to keep in mind. Um, yeah, sorry. I was getting distracted by the doggy shaking. <laughs> um, anyway, so, uh, yeah, people are really shy about this aspect of Patreon. I like, I got really bashful apology emails when people had to drop their support or go lower. And so be prepared to be gracious and don't have your feelings hurt. If someone, even a really, really beloved reader stops supporting you, honestly, you, I mean, I can't, honestly, I can't believe that's so tacky that people would email and be like, Hey, why aren't you supporting us anymore? That's so tacky. So I don't do that. And then if people do have to drop it, just, I mean, appreciate what they get, did give you or the fact that they wanted to help you out, even if they weren't able to as much as you would have liked them to, or they wanted to. Yep. All right. We only have a little bit more here. Uh, you should be aware of how this stuff is going to be used because if you've never run a Patreon before, there's a couple of differences. Um, the main one is by default, if someone supports you at a certain level, they are able to access the entire backlog of content intended for that level. If you've been running a Patreon for three years and you've been releasing audio novels for patrons uh, at the $15 level, and then a new subscriber shows up and pays $15 for one month, they can go back and get the entire backlog of, uh, of stuff. So they basically got three years worth for, for, for one month of pay. Uh, 
you can get around this by using links that expire and stuff like that. But a lot of people who use Patreon as their like primary way that they get content sort of expect the backlog thing. Like it's sort of a bonus of Patreon. So I'm not saying you need to provide it for them in that way, but uh, there is a certain type of person that exists mostly only on Patreon who expect that sort of thing. And you're never going to get that person if you don't provide it in that way. Uh, and also, unless you provide it yourself, there's nothing resembling DRM. Uh, so if you're worried about piracy, Patreon is, could be considered a risk because you're giving people raw files, but the same can be said for selling direct mostly. So that's less of a Patreon specific thing. We should have probably also mentioned too, because we didn't bring it up anywhere else. And I remember there's kind of a sting craze about a year ago when somebody actually read the terms of service and then went out and tweeted. It. <laughs> and it basically says Patreon can use whatever you post for their own nefarious purposes or whatever, you know, probably not. Probably nobody cares what you post, but it is worth considering. Like if you use the book funnel and you point to links that expire, you're not actually putting any content that you care about on your Patreon account. But if you're like putting up chapters for a book that hasn't come out yet, you know, it's just something to keep in mind. Like 99.9% .9 chance Patreon doesn't care and they're never going to look at your content, but you are agreeing to, you know, I think it's to like allow them to use it for marketing purposes or something. I, I haven't even looked at that terms of service for about since it was distinct was raised about a year ago. But um, that is something to consider if you're posting directly your stories into Patreon. I usually only put short stories in if I'm also posting them for free on my website. And I really don't care. The whole purpose of the short story is to try to get people to get hooked on this, the characters and want to buy the books. So I could care less if somebody pirates it and puts it somewhere else or uses it for something. But uh, if that is a concern for you, read through the terms of service before you sign up, uh, just so you know what you're getting into. Yeah, piracy isn't something that bothers me. Like the what you know, people are gonna still if they're gonna still. But um, what did bother me was I had several people sign up, grab everything, and then leave before I'd publish new content, so they never even had to pay a dime. And I was like, Ugh, that's so low life. And it irked me that they were readers who were on my list because those people feel like they're my friends or whatever anyway. So, um, how I got around it was I deleted earlier posts and that's creating a whole lot of work. And I don't know if that's actually, it's probably just not worth doing, doing with it's like trying to go to all those sites that say, Hey, get this author's free book. And, and instead of letting them download it, they download a, a virus instead. It's just like trying to get those people to stop carrying pirated copies of books. It's just not worth the time. Um, but using links on book phone, like book funnel links expired would have been a fantastic idea if I'd thought about it. Gosh, Joe, you should have told me about that a long time ago. I'll, I'll try to be mindful of, of innovations as they come to me. Um, yes, thank you. <laughs> I will say that uh, I don't know specifically, I should have looked this up, but uh, if you do monthly now, I believe there is a way, it might be default these days, that it will charge their first month immediately. So uh, so they can't pull the whole show up before billing and uh, and, and cash out thing. So that's a nice little change. Uh, all right. And the last thing here, um, be mindful. We mentioned it way at the beginning. Be mindful of content restrictions. Patreon's been getting increasingly restrictive on certain types of content. We're talking mostly uh, erotica and things like that. So if that's the kind of thing that you produce, be aware that you're going to be under additional scrutiny. And, and this is a thing that's been rubbing people the wrong way and starting to chase people away from Patreon when this is the type of thing they produce. This goes even if you're not using Patreon itself to release those goods. If you are a, an artist or, or an author who produces the kind of content that Patreon would not allow you to release on Patreon, but you're using Patreon as a tip jar, Patreon will go and look at your other stuff and see if you're trying to skirt their rules by doing that and will punish you accordingly. Generally speaking, they're only checking places that you've linked to. Uh, so like if you link to a story that you shouldn't have been able to post, then obviously that breaks their terms of service. But occasionally your profile will have, say, your Twitter account where you're releasing images that you wouldn't have been able to put on Patreon. And that will bite you too. So uh, if you're the kind of person who has potentially sensitive information, or not information, potentially sensitive content, then... Patreon might not be for you. And in those situations, you'll be going to places like Subscribestar, which we mentioned earlier has far fewer restrictions on that stuff. However, uh, please be aware that if you go to Subscribestar or other places that are existing basically because of the stuff that Patreon doesn't allow you to do, that your neighborhood is going to be people who produce 
content that is similarly sensitive and perhaps not sensitive in the same way that yours is. And you might end up getting grouped up with a group of people that you wouldn't want to hang out with otherwise. So uh, content restrictions, and this, is, I realize, affects a very small percentage of the people who would be listening to the show, but it affects you know enough people to create an entire list of alternatives. So just keep that in mind. Joe, it almost sounds like you're talking from experience. <laughs> Just from observation in this case. I, I follow a lot of artists who have had to stumble over this sort of thing. Your, your secret pen name? <laughs> well, I actually think there's probably quite a few erotica authors that listen to the show. Um, and I don't know how much they're cracking down on written erotica versus visual stuff. Obviously, it's a lot... You don't have to read, <laughs> you know, reading's a lot of work to figure out what you're uh, looking at. Um, but yeah, it's always tough for those guys because they have to uh, deal with dungeons on Amazon. I'm not quite sure about the, We'll have to get a, a good erotica or a, a good selling, <laughs> well-selling. Andrea and I have the same word problems. Successful erotica author on the show so we can interview them. Because I, um, you know, every now and then you catch him glimpses here and there and what's going on, but it always seems like an uphill battle for them to not be censored and get their stuff out there. Um, I did want to say one last thing that I should have mentioned back at the beginning was that if you are trying to recruit people for Patreon from your newsletter or your Facebook page or, or what have you, your website, um, it's good to actually explain what Patreon is. Uh, we in the author community are really familiar with it at this point, but realize that a lot of your readers either have never heard of it or they think it's a monthly thing and they don't want to commit to that. Whereas like with mine, I have to explain that no, no, you only get charged per book and it's in lieu of buying it in the store. So that's something you should explain whenever you, and I'm bad about that. I, I do explain it on the page that you create, but it's a good idea to kind of emphasize, say what it is, say why you're doing it, you know, that you get more of the money that way, you know, that, you know, it's just whatever it is your goal is, make sure to share it with them. And maybe they will check it out even if they weren't familiar with it before. Uh, go ahead, Joe, and wrap it up. We are skipping the listener questions because oddly, <laughs> we rambled for an hour again, despite thinking this is going to be a short show. So that keeps oddly, happening. So weird for us to go over an hour. Golly. Uh, all right. So uh, thanks for listening, everyone. Uh, it, thank you to Joshua Pearson for producing the show. Uh, you can find the show notes or leave a comment or a question at Six Figure Authors with the number six. Bye, everyone. See ya. So long, everybody. <laughs>